0: I think we still beat them all. They had pitted. Uh, you know, some guys did gas yes and goes. Man, I think uh, I think we got them. If, unless uh, unless they did tires and stuff too. I think we got them. 88-2 came back in right Didn't do what they did. Uh, he better hope I'm getting his ass. M4, stay calm. We got 12 coming inside. 12, 18. That's so what the hell that
1: was. The top, the way to go! all right. You catch him and pass him clean. You're a bigger man. You catch him, catch him and pass him clean. You're doing good. Main thing you got to do is keep that thing
0: out of uh, position, to, so it don't get in trouble.
2: And we're back. Another uh episode of. uh Last case of motion. We have a really special guest. Yeah, Kim's changed a little week. bit. Yeah, Kim, you look a little bit different.
0: Yeah. That's amazing what they can do but, nowadays. Yeah,
2: Mr. Uh, Ray Evernham, Hall of Famer, is with us. Actually, first Hall of Famer that uh, is with us. You know, because when we yes. did Jeff, he was he was not, not, Hall, of yeah, not Hall of Fame yet. Yeah. yeah. So this is a really special episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kim and Kim's not yeah. going to be here to
1: to witness it. If she's off doing. Uh, Where is she? She's somewhere doing some Kim things. Yeah, is it Laguna Is she going to Laguna Seca? She is going to Laguna now? Seca. I think is she going early? Yeah, Because, I mean they're they're wrapping stuff up, right?
2: Well, the IndyCar Championship is yeah. coming up this weekend. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, so it's uh, I think Pagano, Rossi, and Newgarden are like really really close. So Team Penske is looking good. <laughs> yeah, they have a good shot, and it's yeah. double points. So nice. I kind of like the double points. Do you ever wish you had double points back in when you were crew chiefing?
0: Uh, I did, you know, because coming from short track, we used to do that. You know, we used to say, oh, there's, you know, either there's twin 35s or it's double points night and have a good chance to gain, you know, especially if you were the guy behind. If you were the guy leading, you'd be a little bit sweating about it. But uh, I used to like the double point night, or special night system mixed things up a little bit.
2: Yeah. We used to have that in late models, actually, with that pass series. We'd sometimes do that. And, and yeah, like you said, it was whatever spot you were in, right? If you were leading (laughs) the points, you didn't like it. If you were second or third, you loved it. But – I think it's going to be an exciting IndyCar finish, for sure,
1: because they're all pretty close. Yeah. Well, and Laguna Seca, fun track. Uh, Fun track this weekend. I don't know if it was fun. It was hot. Uh, Vegas, yeah. Let me ask you this. I wanted to uh, not necessarily hurt anyone, but I kept hearing it was a dry heat. That's just people's excuses for being happy they're out of North Carolina, but it's still really hot. Yeah, because, I mean, even though it was a dry heat, like, it was hot. It was and hot. I can't even imagine how hot it was inside the car.
2: You know it actually isn't as bad as you think. Like when you're actually out there running you don't think of it being hot. You're mm-hmm. got if you're just thinking about if your mind's thinking about how hot you are, you have got a lot of other problems going on I think. You need to be focused on what your car is doing and do you
0: guys still do you, do you driver. still weigh before and after the race
2: to see what you lose? I sometimes do. Um I don't really don't really do it often, but I I probably say Eh, three or four pounds, I probably lost, which is probably a little bit more than usual for me, but it was understandable that it was unusual. But I don't have a lot to lose, so I kind of got to <laughs> put that back on uh, throughout the week. But um, did you guys have to weigh every week, uh, like the driver have to weigh every single week? We didn't, but we had a, you know,
0: Jeff was, you know, so fit, and, you know, I could smack him for that, but he had like a 4% body fat or something. So yeah. there wasn't a lot as, as he did. As the race went on, there wasn't a lot of of fat to burn, so he'd sweat mm. so much or lose so much that sometimes he would he would cramp up. Yeah. And we started to pay attention. To, you know, we were monitoring things like the carbon monoxide, but specifically his weight, and we to know you know what kind of program to put him on before the race so mm. that that he was you know getting the right minerals and everything that you yeah. you sweat out. But you know, been he was about one hundred and forty one hundred forty two pounds, I think, when we first started. Mm. So he he wasn't a very big guy either.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm about 150. I kind of hover there. So, yeah, he's not, he wasn't much. Uh, well, he is now. You him. know, he's, he's, he's enjoying he's, the TV yeah, life growing a, little a little bit. bit. Every time
0: <laughs> I see him, he's at a dinner somewhere. But, but so. Uh, <laughs> he's, you know, earned, he's earned that way. Yeah, you know, he stays yeah. away from the scale purposely now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I always wanted to ask, you know, you, you were crew chief for a long time with Jeff. You were a car owner. And, and my my days of, you know, kind of more fond of being at the racetrack when you were an owner was when Casey Kane was driving for you. And you guys were went on those tears with Dodge. And uh, what was your favorite memory of that, of those Casey Kane nine days? Because I I was kind of right right when I was understanding racing more and and really going to the track and getting older.
0: Oh, man, with with Casey, it was just his ability to, to drive the car fast again, you know. When you're with Jeff, I expected to win every week. We just expected to win every week. And then, you know, when I started my own team, we weren't winning every week. And all right. of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow, it was a lot cooler winning. And, right. uh, you know, Bill Elliott started to have some some uh, health issues, and he didn't really want to to drive yeah. anymore. Because I've always told people, like, if I'd got Bill when he was 30 instead of 45, yeah. we'd right. have really yeah. kicked some butt. But um, when Casey got – got there and we put him with Kenny Francis and they hit that setup, it was like every week we could win again. Yeah. And Casey would just find a way to get that thing from the front. You know, like we'd have a problem, the caution come out at the wrong time and it would be a lap down and, and he'd be way up to the top and you know, uh, when I watched Casey drive sprint cars and midgets when he was younger coming up, I was like, man, I would love yeah. to have that guy drive for me because I love that up top and just you know yeah. get it done. And watching him do that at places like you know Texas and Michigan and and California, yeah, uh, those were the big thrills yeah. for me. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, that time when when you were when you were coming into NASCAR and when Jeff Gordon was coming into NASCAR, I, we always talk about it. That's that shift in the era. And as someone who was, I'm a little bit older than Ryan, you know. A little bit younger than you. I was going to say, you two yeah.
0: guys together are probably still younger than me. <laughs>
1: could be, could yeah. be. But, uh, you know, I was growing up watching, you know, the Rainbow Warrior era. Like, that was when I was sort of paying attention to NASCAR. Now, I was a Kyle Petty in that mellow yellow car. Like, that was, that was my guy. Um, but So,
0: you were a mullet and a mustache guy.
1: I couldn't grow it yeah. back then, but I, I can now. <laughs> like, that's sort of, I'm making up for lost time. But that era, it, it was, you, you talked about weighing. Jeff and like the stuff that you guys did with the car and the stuff that you were doing that nobody else was doing. There's these significant points in NASCAR's history where there's a team or a grouping that are, like the wood brothers with pit stops and then you guys with pit stops and then what you were doing at the track. I don't know if the, the question is like, how did you think to do that? Or like what, what is it about that time and that combination that made it so special?
0: Well, it, when, um, we didn't know what we didn't know you know we didn't know what we were supposed to do if you will and you know if you look at where i came from and, and Ryan can really attest to this. I had been Penske trained. I was in the Penske organization for seven years through the IROC program and got to work with the IndyCar stuff and got to spend a lot of time around Mr. Penske. And, you know, primarily Jay Signori, who was an amazing guy. And that that, that whole thought process to find that advantage, you know, to keep finding advantage in your people and your cars and, and you know, just that push forward. So when I came to NASCAR, even though I didn't have a lot of NASCAR experience, that was all I knew. So we kept thinking, well, if we can – we can gain on a pit stop, or I've got to have my driver, you know, in 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 shape because he's. We've got to help him. That's when we talked about mm-hmm. the carbon monoxide, and I'd been around people like you know Rick Mears and Danny Sullivan and people that were yep. you know great race drivers, and you, you look at just the guys that I got to work with from the iRoc side, not just stock car racing, but Formula One drivers and Indy car drivers. And, you know, I always tell everybody, look, if I hadn't learned something, you know, they, they should have just hit me in the head with a hammer you know I've been around some great people and I think that when we took that thought process going forward and we were able to bring it over to Hendrick Motorsports that had an incredible amount of resources that really weren't being used so I kind of took that Penske mentality and put it together with with the Hendrick resources and and obviously Jeff Gordon's talent all I had to do was make sure that we didn't screw up every week and and we had Mm -hmm. a shot to win.
2: Mm -hmm. It's amazing how it's You know, it's always getting innovated, especially back then. And yeah, I mean, all the years, but it's you could probably talk about it more. But the technology's gotten so great, you know, in the in the 90s, there was not a lot of the technology side of it. And now you have engineers and graphs and charts and they can tell you what you're going to do just by looking at lines on a computer. You know, and and back then, I feel like you guys just had to go test it, you know, and and the no testing now really hurts that, I think. But um, so I know you've talked about it before. But it's my favorite story, and I'm, I'm I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna dig to try to find some information because I've always been curious about it. The T Rex car, that you said, was a second faster than just totally primary. cheated
0: up. We built the whole car out of titanium, had hidden rocket engines, and everything he <laughs> heard is all true.
2: <laughs> I heard there were people in a room with no windows tuning on it because there was electronics on it, and he could like you remember the old Williams back in the yeah. days that it was like a it would tune automatically, pretty much when it was out there. I heard that story. Uh huh. Yeah, no windows.
0: No. Well, actually, it it was built. T Rex was kind of built uh, in a you know the the Hendrick R and D deal, which they gave Rex Stump like one bay and a couple fabricators. But true story, Mister Hendrick got us all together one day. He said, "Look, we need to build something good. I want all you guys to take the ideas you have, take them to Rex, and just throw them in there, Mm -hmm. and we're going to build a car." And Rex Stump, brilliant guy, brilliant guy. Uh, He his. His deal is really vehicle dynamics. He really understands how to make the tires and the cars and that that part work. And they coupled him with Gary Aker who mm. built the air the wind tunnel and whatnot. And they put those two guys together and they came up with these ideas within – what the rule book was at that time so the cage and everything was a little bit different and the down bars and the fact that the we raised the floor pan way up and the Mm -hmm. shocks were outside the chassis and had really good simple front end geometry really just simple stuff right that was just a happy car everything moved nice and slow and and straight and when they got the car all done we took it to the racetrack and it was terrible. I mean, it was it was you know Terry Labonte didn't like it, Schrader didn't like it. Gordon's like ah, you know, it was yeah. slower and everything. So we kept dragging it along. It's like you know, it's like you, you you've got this friend that really doesn't play ball well or does whatever, but you bring him everywhere because right. it's cool and you're trying to keep the boss happy. So we kept trying and trying and finally one day at Charlotte, we're we're working with the car and uh, you know over there you go to. To try and test something at three o'clock in the afternoon, you're just wasting gas and tires. Yeah. So we were like, "Oh, let's just get T Rex out and drive it around." And we had Blacker with us at that time, our best car. And uh, Jeff goes out and he's probably five tenths slower than than Blacker. He comes and he goes, "I, I don't know." He said, "I, I can't say there's nothing there, but it just, it just doesn't go." So I said, let's try something crazy. And uh, it, it was real. I said, I want to put one of my modified setups in there. And it sounds really <laughs> crazy at that time. But we, you know, we used to run like a 1900 or a 2000 in the right front and a 12 or a 13 yeah. on the left front. That's just that was just Charlotte. Right. Yeah. I was like, even up them front springs and give me the biggest sway bar we got. And I was like, let's put even rear springs in. And They're like, oh, my God, <laughs> you idiot. You yeah. know, don't don't tell them what's in it. <clears throat> so accidentally we. Got the car low in the front, up in the back, and kept yeah. it pretty flat. And because the floor pan and everything was raised, he goes out there at three o'clock in the afternoon. And I click my stopwatch and I'm like, Yeah, it's eh, it's it's about the same. And yeah. Brian Weitzel, who was our engineer at that time, he starts like hammering on my arm. Like, I'm looking at him like, What? What yeah. does it matter? Because I'm looking at the tenths. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a second faster. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Jeff comes in, he comes in and he stops in the garage and he's Flips open his shield and his eyes were like as big as silver <laughs> dollars. He goes, "What was that?" <laughs> and uh, and you know, again, we did that in the uh, in the Winston. He when that was when you used to fly in pit road and do all that. Well, yeah. he comes. You know, w- we started at the back of the Winston because I- I'll never forget this. He comes off the track and hits pit road like one fifty something and steps back on the gas. And when he goes by us, he's got all four wheels just locked up, smoking, sliding through and he's yeah. screaming at me, "The brakes didn't work. The brakes didn't work." I was like, "Uh, all four wheels are locked up, yeah. uh, bud, uh, you know, just uh, come on back around, you yeah. know? Uh, so uh, we started last and then uh, I guess the the rest is history by the time the race was over, there were people lined up at the NASCAR trailer already. <laughs> but the car was not, um, yeah. It was it was largely the fact that the chassis was so stiff the, the geometry was on it right and we hit that nose down you know right. tail up attitude
2: right so that was that was would you say really that's the first time you've kind of that was like this sealing off the nose yeah, the, I mean, was the nose was the down. It, it
0: just, you know, we we just didn't realize how much gain. Because at that time, it sounds crazy, right? But we used yeah. to make the right side chassis lower than the left side because we kind of sealed it off that way. And mm-hmm. the cars had big long doors on them, and that helped. You know, like our our, our twenty four cars. People like those things are ugly. Why they got the big doors on them? Well, you know, we knew a little bit about side force yeah. and whatever. But when we sealed off the front of that thing and put the spoiler up in the air, mm-hmm. man, it took off.
1: That's insane. Does it ever uh, make you feel feel proud that some of your legacy is that NASCAR had to change the rule book based on the things that you did?
0: Uh, I think it's. I think it's. Cool at some point, but then I look at the rule book that these guys have got to deal with now, and I think it's just ridiculous. You know, what? what well, I think that some of that personality has got to be put back in the sport, like what Ryan was saying about the computer tells you this and it tells you that. Well, you know, you got guys, you know, like him and these other great young drivers, you know, Chase Elliott and guys like that. They have to drive the car the way the computer says it's set up. The, the crew chief really can't dial the car into the way that they want to drive it you know we used to be able to move wheels around like a sprint car and wheelbase and you know you could you could change the car and guys had run Earnhardt and Gordon had run the same lap time but Gordon's be fast at this part of the track and Earnhardt would be fast at that part of the track and we create a lot of passing nowadays there's, you know, the rules are so tight and they're doing everything for them. It doesn't give the crew chief a chance to work with his driver and bring out that personality. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I've always said they've got to they've gotta find a way to put the genie back in the bottle a little bit.
2: Yeah. So you think they should open the rules up a little bit more?
0: I think that they can
2: open up <clears throat> some rules. Some, yeah.
0: You know, I think that we focus too much on rules that don't matter. Like mm-hmm. they've got to figure, okay, what rules matter? What is really going to matter here? And then let, let's – not focus on all the other stuff I think when when you move the tail of your car 20 thousand and it makes a difference it's time to look at how the car's designed right
2: yeah you think we should I mean I'm on this train but I think we should get the noses off the ground and raise them up again I think that's the best way to help the racing right I think, think that,
0: so <coughs> well if you look at it <coughs> excuse me <coughs> the uh, I don't feel like the racing has been as good. Since they put the splitter on and drop the noses on the ground, there's always going to be an arrow push. Arrow push. They've had arrow push since the they ran on a Horman beach. You know, it's right. just the way yeah. it is, right? It's yeah. like you're you're going to have an arrow push. But I think they've got the speeds up so high, and your cars are so aerodynamically sensitive that when that goes away, you lose a lot more. Where yeah. maybe we were 25 percent arrow, 75 percent mechanical grip. You're probably yeah. the other way around. Yeah. So when you lose that 75 percent, and yeah. right now the competition is so good that you know, you, you, you can't rely. If you don't have that arrow, you're not passing that guy.
1: Mm-hmm. So i might say it's a constantly moving target that you're trying to hit with both NASCAR and the rules and then the teams trying to get, you know, and then the product on the track for the fans. It's yeah. constantly moving. You yeah. mentioned Blacker earlier. Now, you guys are in season two of Glory Road. Last season, you talked, you had a whole show based on that car. Uh, the the show Glory Road, you, you what? You take a car, you take a, a time in the sport and sort of do a deep dive into it. I know... You've restored some cars. Tell me a little bit about Glory Road and uh, what we've got in store for season two. Well,
0: I love the history of the sport. Uh, I I love it. And I I really feel like it's got to be captured and told. And what Glory Road does is actually tell those stories that you've probably already heard about the Winston Millions and the Darlingtons and the races, but told by the people that were actually there. So it's not, hey, I heard this or Mm -hmm. I read this. You know, it's it's it's. I think, the best stories in sports, but told by those people. And I just kind of sit there and, and moderate and ask some questions and, and let them talk. You know, we talked about the Southern 500 and the Winston Million, the inaugural Brickyard, uh, you know, that uh, Daytona 500 and stuff that Jeff had, had won. That car, Blacker, I didn't know a lot of people would not really know, but we won like 16 or 17 races with that one car. We just used to turn it around and run it everywhere. Like, yeah. we'd go up to the northern swing, you know, like – Pocono, Dover, Michigan. You know, heck, if we'd have, we probably could have run the thing at Watkins Glen, but we would just run the heck out of that, mm-hmm. at that car. And there were times that car won two or three weeks in a row. And 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 again, just telling those stories and telling you know about guys that have come from modifieds on on, on up to to Cup, and you know, talking about things that actually happened, controversial finishes last week. You know, a lot of the guys that were involved in them, and it's not just. NASCAR stuff, you know, we had Paul Tracy and Elio Castroneves, which is still, they're still fighting over who won that race. I mean, yeah. you probably, you know, yeah. if you ask Elio about that at, at a mid he'll go, hey, you know, he'll get yeah. them all fired up. But, you know, it, it, those things, it's not like, hey— 10 years from now or whatever, people will read about it. We're capturing the people that were there telling those stories. And I, I think it's really interesting because, you know, from Dale Earnhardt Jr. to Jeff Gordon to, you know, to, to Larry McReynolds to Rusty Wallace and people, I'm hearing stuff that I've never heard before. And I was there for a lot of that stuff. And they're finally coming up. They're saying, I'm like, I'm, I've never heard you say that. Well,
2: <laughs> you know, it's been 20 years, you know. Yeah, that's really neat. I know you just had a modified special, right, with the Bodines? Yeah. And uh, I think Priest was on it mm-hmm. too. So— yeah, yeah, and a... Jimmy Spencer's probably mad at me because we skipped over Jimmy Spencer, but Jimmy... <laughs> we didn't mean to.
0: Don't don't hit me, Jimmy. But you've been in a couple of my shows uh, already. But I got some notes from the Jimmy Spencer fans. What about Jimmy? You know, and uh, so yeah.
1: what's been one of the f- your favorite stories that you've been able to tell with this show?
0: Oh wow, I- I'll tell you the one of I think the best shows that we have is going to be coming up, and it- it's about endurance racing mm-hmm. and what makes. The 24 Hour of Daytona, the 12 Hour of Sebring. What makes those races so special that so many guys from NASCAR, from IndyCar, from all forms of racing, whether they're at the end of their career or or they're you know just something that they want to do, what is it about that endurance racing? Because if you look at Gordon and Stewart and Jamie McMurray and Kyle, and you know, mm-hmm. and then you look at you know e- even Rusty and a lot of Rogers guys, what what is it? And then that. You know, we dig down and 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 hear from Mario Andretti and AJ Foyt and people like that. So, you know that that one really interests me because I I feel like when we do a show that I learn a lot from, I get excited about it.
1: Mm-hmm. I can see that. that yeah. That's a uh, here, here's a little bit of we Thanks. got our producer coming and <laughs> yeah, bring some yeah. water in. Yeah. Uh, during during your answer yeah. there, yeah. well
0: I was I did I, I was I had I had a drink and I'm thinking man I, they might have some sponsor product and I better be careful what I'm no. I,
1: yeah we'll get you covered we're we'll taking labels off here yeah but we uh, we do have our yeah, our good sponsors good. up we've got our pit boss uh, seasoning okay. spices and uh, Smokers. well if
0: yeah. I get, if we're gonna have a hamburger I'll make sure that I grab some of that yeah but yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> well, no I mean you know like you have learned stuff you don't know about and people always ask me they're like you only like NASCAR or what do you like? I'm like, well, I'm fascinated. I think people in racing and motorsports are fascinated with any kind of motorsport, you know, no matter if it's two wheels, four wheels, if it's land, air, sea, it's just neat to, neat to learn about it. I went to a, one of those Red Bull air races, um, in Russia last month and it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Just learning about how they operate and how those planes do it and their rules and things like that. And that part's really cool to me. of just learning stuff you don't know about just because, but at the end of the day, it's, has some similar things, but uh, it's just neat to to learn the differences. And I wish I could drive more cars. Well,
0: stay in the car. <clears throat> Got a roll cage, you know, on the ground. I always tell everybody, look, I just, yeah. I've, I've always been, I've been okay with the wheels, not so much on the land or sea. But yeah. I, I, I agree with you because you find that same path, the same thing that drives us on the on the racing on the four wheels. Yeah. You know, as they travel around, you you know, the neat thing about not being on the the circuit full-time. Every Sunday, I'm probably not the best guy to hang out with because I'm, I am I want to put my crew chief hat on and I'm on the box and I'm, you know, I don't want to listen to anybody else. It's like you're, you're so into the race that somebody asks you a question, you're like, shut up, you're yeah. like, oh, you know? Right. And so that yeah. doesn't really go good with a marriage and kids. But, um, <laughs> you know, the uh, just understanding what, Drives different forms of motorsports. I love going to sprint car races, traveling. You know, mm-hmm. with Aaron, we go to see the outlaw stuff, and then we'll go late models and the pavement modifieds, and you know, you just get even the vintage cars. We've gotten into this vintage racing with this HSR deal, and it's just it's incredible because I want to tell you what these guys take these cars like these K M cars and Cobras and yeah. you know Mustangs and you know Shelby's and stuff like that, and they're worth a lot of money, and they. They run them yeah. hard. I was <laughs> like, "Hey, dude, that car's worth a lot of money. You know, no. give me a little bit more room when you're passing right. me because I'm not I'm not that good to be that close
2: to your million dollar car." <laughs> it's it's nuts nice to me how people go out and, and race with the cars like that,
1: like Is it, like hobby cars, yeah.
2: but like million dollar cars. I'm like, what do
1: you? Well, I mean, does something insane. like does like a switch flip when you get behind the wheel and it's like, oh man, I gotta go. I don't care what I'm in. This thing might be worth you know fifty million dollars <laughs> and psh, screw it. I want to win.
2: Yeah, I, I maybe I don't
0: know. You, yeah, what, maybe you know as well as I do that we race for a five dollar medallion, and these guys are willing to crash the two hundred fifty thousand dollar Ferrari for that five dollar. You put up a trophy, and guys like him yeah. are going to get competitive. Yeah. You know, I used to tell Jeff Gordon, you would run over your mother to win the race out of the the yard. It doesn't matter, and he's like, no, I wouldn't run her over. I'd brush her back, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I, yeah. I wouldn't run her over. You yeah. know? And that was, uh, you know, the guys that that—that's what makes the great ones competitive. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar or a million dollars; they're yeah. they're gonna they're yeah. gonna run you hard. I know Bill
2: Elliott's driven a little bit for you on the vintage stuff, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: he, t- he's killing it. Yeah. Bill, Bill's not lost a step. Yeah. He makes those poor guys cry. I mean, he in two laps he just, he has to stop and wait for him. He's, yeah. he's, he's he's getting a little bit out of control. A lot. He's yeah. got he's got this vintage. Dodge, you know, um, old one. Oh, I think it's yeah. one of our old cars, but yeah. uh, I'll, I'll guarantee you that if, if he, if you had to chase him around like walking the Glen or something, would your new car? You'd be like, yeah, hmm, that thing. I don't think that's a vintage <laughs> yeah. car, but Bill, uh, Bill is uh, like minutes faster than guys yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, what,
2: I, I was there when he did that Xfinity race at Road America last last year. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, and that was really cool to see. He got. He ended up getting tore up or something, but
1: he did a really good job. It was pretty cool. Do, were you? Uh, did you ever get a chance to just sort of follow him around like during practice or something? Just... I didn't. I didn't race it. Oh, you didn't. I spotted you. were, you were spot, I that's Spotted. Right, for that's right. That's right. Syndric. Yeah.
2: But uh, we ended up blowing up. Yeah. But but no, it was good. And if you guys didn't know this, Bill Elliott can rip a dirt bike. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Rip a dirt bike. Yeah. And, he, and snowboard. Yeah, I was gonna say. Right and crazy.
0: snowboard. And he, he's. He, and he's an incredible pilot. Like, yeah. He, it's he, yep. he is really. He's just one of those guys that can do just a little bit of anything. Like I said, he has not lost a yeah. lost a step, and he's still as competitive as ever. I can yeah. tell you that.
1: I just have this mental image now of Bill Elliott on a snowboard. Like, yeah, that just doesn't like yeah. compute. Like I see him at Darlington, you know, winning the Winston Million, <laughs> and not you know shredding on a half pipe in you know like Utah or something. Yeah. So know? the
2: first time I snowboarded with the Elliots, it uh, was me and Chase and Bill and a couple other buddies, and Bill wears a full face motocross helmet with goggles when he snowboards. Please tell me it's
1: it's a Coors helmet. No, it's just just all black. Just tell
2: me it's a Coors helmet. I wish I could. Damn it. Uh, And so we come up to this bowl and um, we were out in Vail. They have a house out in in Vail. And uh, I mean, this thing, it looks like we're standing on top of it. It looks 90 degrees straight down for probably 30, 40 feet. And then just gradually gets a little bit, you know, less banking. He's like, you want to rip down that? I'm like, ah, Bill, I don't know about that, man. I, <laughs> I really don't know uh, if I can do that. He's like, all right, and he just turned and ripped down, and before I could, I knew it. He was 400 yards away from me. I'm like, catch up to you later, Bill. But uh, just so fearless would that, man. Would that be gnarly, Bill? Yeah, that's an
1: awesome Bill. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: how about did it, they put you on the motorcycle thing? You talk about dirt bikes. He goes dirt bike, but then they take the dirt bike to Colorado and pull the they rear wheel them over. and. Yep skis on it and just rip through the snow with a track thing and a ski on the front oh you got to come up and ride these things i was like no i I, I, i'm I'm okay walking the way i walk (laughs) you know i don't really want to be you know
2: yeah they yeah it's like uh they make it a pretty much a snowmobile but it's just one single ski in the front and the track in the back and they are insane yeah Yeah.
1: Mm. it's amazing uh, does not sound fun Well, I mean, I, it sounds fun. It sounds like, like you said, uh, he's
0: yeah. he would if if the X Games had been around when Bill was twenty, he would not have been a NASCAR racer. Right. He'd have been like he'd have been X. He'd he'd have been Travis Pastrana oh, or something. Yeah. You know,
1: that's yeah, that to me is kind of crazy to think that uh, like if if these you know these extreme sports had been around, would a guy like Jeff Gordon, would a guy like Bill Elliott have gone down that road?
0: You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, the, you know, mm. Jeff Gordon. Um, people ask me that a lot you know like i don't know that jeff is as big a daredevil jeff's really really calculating now jeff was was really good water skier i don't know Mm -hmm. if a lot of people know but he was incredible water skier and he almost uh, went in that direction but you know with racing jeff's always been uh you know really his sequential thought process and and things like that have if again always kept them going and you know with Bill it was a little bit different you know Bill was actually a little bit more laid back and fun sometimes and you know because Bill would be running he'd be like three and four wide at Daytona and he would just come over the radio and start singing you know clowns to the left and me jokers to the right here I am stuck in the middle I was like please pay attention you know I mean, he, you know, and, and things like that but you know Bill Bill could change that focus you know immediately I tell everybody I, I'm very fortunate got to work with two of the greatest drivers with jeff gordon and with bill elliott i could take a quarter and go out on lay it on the track at daytona and both of those guys could find that quarter and hit it okay but bill could tell you if it was heads or tails jeff would pick it up and reinvest it you know what i mean it's, the, it's just two different personalities
1: right. um, I, I, we, before uh, we got the show started um you know we always start the show off with in car audio and some of the best bits and Um, as we're recording this uh, I had a late flight so I didn't quite get a chance to go to the office and get the sound so uh-huh. I haven't quite decided what I'm putting in there yet so it'll be a surprise for all the fans and us is it
0: 9394 or it might a be whew, some early be a lot of beeps, uh, yeah. a lot of beeps in that one <laughs> i was says i was telling you before no yeah. kidding they actually uh, the uh, at at that time max helton who was the, uh, the preacher from the mro actually had to come and sit jeff and i down about our language on the radio and so we um hopefully we cleaned that up and we won't be going
2: straight to hell but uh, <laughs> but uh, we were on our way in 9394 easy to get fired up man yeah. I get fired up on the radio and don't really get fired up in person. I mean, I know, I know you and Jeff, pretty laid back people in person. You get helmet on, you get a headset on, man. You, man. Demeanor changes when you're doing something. You get, you know, fiery spirit. It's something you're passionate about.
1: Did see a little uh, fiery spirit out of Kyle Busch at the end of uh, the race? Did you watch any of his uh, post race comments channeling yeah. his uh, inner uh, Marshawn Lynch? I did. I saw that. Yeah. It was. Eh, he was upset. Yeah. Uh,
2: He's always upset. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had a. Right? I don't know. I don't, it's not Alan in the position he was in. So, no. there was some interesting uh, feedback on social media from some of the drivers that he was around that said, Hey, you know, basically come race in one of these cars. When we had this discussion in the airport yesterday while we were on our delay, is there any way that you could ever take, say, the field and basically invert the field so all of the fastest guys have to drive the cars that are in the, the back of the pack and the guys in the back of the pack get to get in the guys' cars up there? Could you ever? No, that would never happen. Between owners... Using seniors, your imagination. Sponsors, and finding <laughs> a imagination. way.
2: Yeah, I mean, you want to run an IROC yeah. series? I thought the IROC series was great. Isn't that what you're going to be doing a couple of years? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Two years, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much an IROC series we're going to be. Oh,
0: that'll, cost, no, I'll get a, that'll, that'll cost me. Probably. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. But uh, like speaking... You, you I'm spoke just about, reading off the
0: script. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> The competition yeah. level in NASCAR now. Like the number of drivers that are in the field and then the skill level of the drivers in the field. Mm-hmm. If all things being even, would uh, those guys in the back still be able to compete? Like you are seeing right now, De Benedetto yeah. doing good work in.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think everybody that race is, you know, not even professionally. I know some great late model guys out there, great modified racers, sprint car drivers. I mean, that's professional racing, but the NASCAR stuff, you know, a lot of great race car drivers. So, and I think you know, you put and Matt's shown it over his career for sure and I think yeah some other guys who are not fortunate to be in you know great stuff I think they could do very well if they were Uh, it's just hard to get those opportunities you know and um, you got to make the most of what you can do right now and I feel like you know what people get upset about you know drivers in particular with you know cars that are a little bit slower is kind of the inconsistency of where they run uh, on the racetrack as far as you know if you're going to run top middle bottom Mm -hmm. like you know, one time you pass them, they'll be middle, and then next up they'll be bottom, or they vary your lap to lap. And you're watching them, you know, for four or five laps as you're running them down, and they're you're just kind of guessing. I feel like if there was a little bit better understanding of where they were going to be, you wouldn't really have people as as upset like Kyle was, I guess. But and Kyle, people say Kyle could have just turned left or right and missed yeah. him. I'm like, you can't really do that. You're kind of committed to where you're going, you know. But eh, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a tough experience. deal.
1: I think he's
0: he he's he's being. A little bit modest, so I can speak to that because there are, as with any sport, I don't yeah. care whether it's football or baseball or basketball, or whatever. There are people that are special, and you notice those things. And the people that are special and they're consistent end up with the better rides. And, and again, they're, they're, uh, every, anyone who's out there is doing obviously something that I can't do, right? But there's anybody who's out there playing NFL or as a quarterback. Not everybody's Tom Brady, right? right? So you, there, there are people who are special and when you were talking about the lane changing and things part of what people watch even if you're not in a good car what people watch matt de benedetto he's very aware of his surroundings mm-hmm. no matter what he's driving ross Chestnut very aware of his, his surroundings and mm-hmm. sometimes you know it would be a guy like me i'd be going around there just trying not to hit anything so i'd be all over the place right. but you know th- that to, to say you could take a, a guy without the kind of experience of of Driving a, a, a good car or that has that natural ability, no different than you would take a guy who's maybe a, a, a good average quarterback. Could he lead? Could he lead a, a Super Bowl team? Mm-hmm. You know, probably not. So uh, those guys could do better. They've got to get experience. It's a big part of it. But I've always said, and again, this goes back to my IROC days and, and my you know the, the the time that I got to work with those guys. There, there's some people in this sport that are just they're just special and and that's it and as I said no no different than basketball or football or baseball or any other sport
1: In those other Mm -hmm. sports we talk about coaching Mm -hmm. trees and we talk about you know legacy and if you look back at the guys that have been on your team when you were with the rainbow warriors and where they are in the sport right now I mean how many hall of famers do you think are on that team like
0: I don't know Chad kind of pisses me off I taught him everything he just breaks all my records (laughs) (laughs) Man, he just bumped me out of the way. No, I mean I'm real. I'm proud of that, and I'm proud, you know, with with guys like Kenny Francis and Rodney Childers and guys that that were that, that came on a little bit later. But uh, you know, I, I think that that's a, it, it. Makes me feel really good. But then I feel like I owed that to the people who taught me right. the, the Jay Signores and you know. Uh, I lived at Banjo Matthews for a while with he and his his wife, and just stayed at his shop and bugged the man. And I mean, I bugged the man twenty four hours a day. And guys like Harry Hyde and Robert G and people like that. Like I asked so many questions, they just mm. they didn't want to hang around with me because I, you know, I just asked too many questions. But I think okay, that all of the people that all that taught me something from the days that I was running the six cylinder cars on up to here the best way I could pay them back is to try and pass that knowledge and it makes you feel so good when somebody takes what you taught them and then improves on it and does better, it, it, it's an awesome feeling. You know, every time I watch some of the guys that, that came through and some of them, you know, again, you know, Chad came in as a body shop assistant, slept in his car to try and meet me to get a job, you know, but he was always up 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, yeah. did his workout for his pit crew stuff, came in and, you know, the again, no different than some drivers are, are special. Some of those crew guys are special too yeah. that make that commitment.
2: Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah. Um, I would, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't, Talk about this. ask about this during the race uh, Saturday. Uh, we got the news about Mike Stefanik and mm. your northeast guy. Um, we asked uh, Martin Truex Jr. in Victory Lane, you know, his thoughts about it. Uh, just can you put into words what he meant to the sport? And I mean, he's what a nine-time champion, seven in the modifieds. Like that seven number is that <laughs> in NASCAR. That is a big number.
0: Yeah. Um, you know that that's a hard one because. Mike was one of those guys that didn't go to cup. He, he didn't go uh, to be you know Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. You know he he didn't go on to to do those things. But two other racers, I got to race with Mike, and I've known new Mike for a long time. And, uh, and Julie Casella, and Sonny Casella, all the people that were involved up there. And I'm going to tell you, Mike was one of the toughest, most fierce racers that you would ever be around because he could build the car. He could set it up and he could drive the wheels off of it. He was one of those guys that were special. And he um, he he didn't, you know, he, he, he's, he wasn't one of those guys that used you up on the racetrack. I mean, he'd give you a bump here and there, but he just was good. You know, I, I can't say that I raced NASCAR Modifieds with him because he was so much faster than me in the NASCAR Modified. Where I got to race with Mike was when they started dirt asphalt series mm-hmm. and it was kind of new to everybody. And we were running Nazareth and Flemington and places like that. And uh, Mike and I had a heck of a race one day at uh, Nazareth on the mile for actually Doug Hoffman was leading and, and Mike and I were battling for second and we did it for about a hundred miles. And it was, I look back at that and when I heard that uh, you know, he had passed away on Sunday, you know, it, it thought, you know, you thank God for the opportunity to get to erase to that. But you also hope that somehow people would get to know, this guy, this quiet guy from Massachusetts, how fierce of a competitor he was and how smart. I'm fortunate because I own uh, the Modified that Mike won a lot of those championships in, the X6 car. And that car was built, I think, in 97 or 98. And you can't believe how technically advanced it is uh, for for what it was back then. Uh, so it, it's special, but... Uh, you know nobody knows when uh, when your number when your number is is going to be called and when you do you know you just for a guy like mike i hope that people will dig down and try and really understand like what this guy accomplished seven championships mm-hmm. in the in the modified 2 in the in the bush no- nascar north but he did those at the same time there were two years mm-hmm. in a row he was modified champion and and bush north champion and that's i think the first time in nascar anybody's been able to do that two years in a row i think Lee Petty did it once, one mm-hmm. year in a row. Mike did it two years in a row. So nine mm-hmm. total championships um, you know, on the Hall of Fame ballot certainly deserves to to be in there.
1: Uh, I would imagine, I, I know it was close this past time, but I would imagine uh, he will definitely be in the Hall of Fame class, if not this coming year, the next year. But, yeah, uh, so. uh, yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, I think he will. That, but, like, like I said, that number nine, total championships and and, you know just seven when you hear about the names that have seven championships across all of nascar series like that is rare air yeah
0: and and i'm not sure how many of those but the majority of those in cars he built yeah yeah you know which impresses the heck out of me yeah because i can build a good car but i I haven't had a lot of luck as a driver i got to be a good car builder because i wasn't a very good driver and i was fixing stuff all the time but you know one of those guys that could build it drive it to the point to where you're beating everything you know that that I've that's always been uh, been super impressive to me you
2: know mm-hmm.
0: your so grandfather yeah your grandfather yep. w- w- was was yeah like that
2: yeah you know he was uh you know growing up when he was running modifieds and a little bit of sprint cars you know through the 60s and 70s and uh you know yeah that's you know they build their own build stuff, their own stuff and, and, went and a lot uh, with it. you know they had actually so this never heard of the Travis Kraft, Yeah. Yeah. He's kind he had one of their first mm. cars. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, me and my dad actually found one of his cars from, I think the early seventies and we're, we got to restore it, but, uh, you have to come by and see it, but it's at my dad's race shop in Salisbury, but no, it's, um, yeah, that's what they did. You know, you build all your own stuff and, and kind of just work on yourself, go take you to the racetrack and then do it again. And, you know, running dirt, you'd run three, four yeah. nights a week, you know, so you're, you're constantly kind of maintenance and upkeep and trying new things and um, you know, that's just kind of how they
1: did it, which I think is a really neat way to do it. It's always difficult to transition away from something like that, but just want to say that our thoughts and positive vibes going out to the Stefanic family. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to Richmond this weekend. Yeah, second race, the first round, round, yeah. under the lights Saturday night. Yeah, I know that's a track that you love. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's not
2: been a, it's been our Achilles' heel, man. To be honest with you, I don't know why we made our first ever NASCAR start there and. Twelve with Tommy Baldwin, yeah. and, and did ran, a good job there. We ran seventh. Night, yeah. yeah, we ran really, really good. We probably could have run top five, and uh, we'd lose about six spots every pit stop. But it was that—that uh, that was best run. And ever, ever since then, I cannot figure it out. You Still out. got that setup. I need to text Tommy <laughs> and ask him, "Hey, man, if I get thrown it my way, but yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating when you, you know, you don't run good somewhere. You try something different every time you go back from setting the car up different to driving different." trying new things and now you have so much you know you can learn from you can look at data and and other drivers and you can try to mimic i've never been very good at mimicking other drivers though you know that's that's hard to do that's changing your whole style Mm -hmm. up for somewhere and you know it helps a little bit but it's it's hard to do um but yeah that's that's something we got to have a
1: good run there to uh to really really be in a good shape going into the roval so Well, we'll see this show has been a good run if i did it right i didn't do it right no. The music should be playing. There should be music going on right now that's playing us out. What kind of music are you playing? It's sort of like a, it's classical jazz. Okay. Like free form jazz. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's driving rock. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like,
2: uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was actually being nice when I was going, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: it's a, it's a, well, yeah, it's just a bass layer, right? Right, right, right. We can't play actual songs on here. Well, no, we can play this song because it's a. Uh, in our music library back at, that's NASCAR. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those APM yeah music songs. It's we pay a license for it. Oh, so <laughs> well, good. Yeah, yeah. But thank you, Ray, for joining us today. Um, it's this has been. A slight departure from how our show normally goes. Yeah, I but was it's... hoping
0: I was going to get to talk about some of the things, <laughs> well, that, you we know, didn't... like spy pigeons yeah. and Area 51 and well, Welsh toilets. And I'm like, you know, we... I studied on that we, so we, hard. We it, start man. geeking out, God. though.
2: Like, <laughs> well, I did so? I actually, studied, man. it was funny. Like before this morning, in our group chat, they sent me a link to this thing, and it was about some bikers and you know, <laughs> stuff <laughs> and bad stuff. And I was like, maybe we should like. <laughs> Slow play that for Ray. I don't. I don't know. You know, I want to actually talk about some racing stuff with yeah. with uh, with you. And I didn't know how you're going to take the other stuff. So, did <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, keep no. It, I keep I, it I, I
0: enjoy the race uh, race talk, and you guys yeah. have have fun. And I think it, it it's it's important to have fun and yeah. and do it. But going back to that, you what you just said about not being able to adjust the car for you. Yeah. Talk talk to the the powers that be because going forward. Driver personality is what drove this sport, you know, and and as that personality is part of how you want to drive a car, mm-hmm. so you need a bigger toolbox. Your crew chief needs a bigger toolbox to make sure that car yeah. is fast where you want it to be, not that Ryan Blaney has to be fast where the computer says you should be.
1: Right, and on that bombshell, that is that is <laughs> what we need to. We're going to save that yeah. audio clip and send it right to <laughs> you. Yeah. Thank right you for watching or listening and uh, rating you yeah. on iTunes. It